Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello there. Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live, as always, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine, um, where we do this every week, uh, September through May. Still thinking about whether we might be able to do this once a month during the summer. Got to haven't quite figured that out yet. But here we are today, so we don't need to think about the summer yet, although things are warming up enough to give us some optimism here in the northeastern United States that summer is actually a possibility. Um, well, uh, you know, we've got a bunch of email that hasn't been answered yet, um, but callers always take priority on this program, and we have two standing by already. So I'm going to go to those two uh, callers first, and then, um, well, we'll see how far we get, and if we get to them, we'll do some emails too. But don't hesitate to call in, um, it, even if uh, you're not first in line here. The number is 347-994-2981. As always, if, oops, as always, if you want, I did the Twitter um, message this morning quickly, and so it says, parenting your parenting child. I'm sure that has meaning, uh, is on the air live. Call in, 347-994-2981. I think I'll send it again. Parenting Your Challenging Child is on the air live. Call in. Um, all right, area code 908. You are first in line. How are you today? Hi, this is area- Thomas. Hello? Let's not don't use any names though, um or identifying information, but tell me what's on your mind. Okay. How does collaborative problem solving wo- uh, work with uh children uh, with bipolar kids who sometimes have the skills and sometimes don't? Uh, I have a son like that and he clearly sometimes uh, is very robust, is uh, cooperative and uh or about against the disappointment and so forth, and sometimes he's just uh, doing his own thing, defined, oppositional. He also, I did a plan B with him, so uh, going through the motions like what causes this, and he himself came up with uh, terms of listening and not listening mood. He has those two moods that he switches back and forth with sometimes during the day. So it's uh, hard, hard to tell, like, how do I teach a kid that that actually knows intellectually what to do, but sometimes the the moods get in the way of of uh, all his skills actually. All right. So you've asked, uh, believe it or not, uh, you've asked quite a few questions within the same one. Believe it or not. Um, so let's try to tackle them one at a time, shall we? Okay. All right. Um, There are kids in this world who are legitimately diagnosed with pediatric bipolar disorder. 
just not as many who, as who are diagnosed with pediatric bipolar disorder. And in my model, we're not especially diagnostically oriented anyways because calling your child bipolar actually hasn't given me, hearing about him for the first time, any information about what's getting in his way. Right. So that's, that's thing number one. So I would still recommend, even if he's um, been diagnosed with that disorder and perhaps even by somebody reputable, that you still hop on, if you haven't done this already, the Lives in the Balance website, go to the paperwork section, print out the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Right. Yeah, and we're doing let's that. see yeah. good. Let's see what skills your child is lacking that yeah. is causing him to exhibit behaviors that may be roughly summarized by the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. So that's that's thing number 1. Right. Thing number 2, and by the way, the lagging skills are likely to be far more informative for you as the parent and for right. other people who may be trying to help him than the diagnosis bipolar disorder. Right. But here's thing number two. What I'm gathering from you is that um, your son's moods can vary during the day. Right. And now here comes the big question. Do Does your son's moods vary because of problems that are causing him to look like he's in a bad mood and having difficulty handling frustration under certain conditions? Yeah. Or do your son's moods fluctuate on the basis of absolutely nothing? His moods just vary widely. Yeah, it's a good question I'm asking the question. I'm, I'm going I'm to get your answer in a second. The, the reason I'm asking okay. the question is this. Many kids who've been diagnosed with pediatric bipolar disorder, people tell me that they are having um, fluctuating moods. When in fact, when we do a closer analysis of what's really going on, we find that the child can be in a good mood one moment and then because an unsolved problem has caused the child to get upset, people are now saying that the child has um, rapidly fluctuating moods. Tell us about your child and whether you've been able to determine whether those mood changes and fluctuations that you're talking about, sometimes they call it rapid cycling mood, are due to certain unsolved problems or whether they seem to occur from out of the blue. What's your take on that? My take on that is that it's definitely fluctuating. I mean, I've, I've got the book about a year ago, and I've uh, used the ELSA um, inventory of, of skills and try to, like whenever a problem occurs, try to figure out what are the skills that he's lacking in that in that moment that contribute to his problems. It's just that sometimes it seems like he has the skills, and sometimes it seems that he doesn't have the skills. And through Plan B, actually... Through the empathy step, like um, he he reported to me that this really feels different to him. Like when he's in the listening mood, everything's fine, smooth, and and nice. And when he's in the not listening mood, everything feels like tense and uh, kind of threatening. And uh, so it's really something that comes from within him. 
And I mean, with with which started him now on on a, on the move stabilizer. It's more gears towards uh, stabilizing these uh, uh, rapid cycling. But uh, still, uh, my my question is actually what um, how how does it happen that that uh, his moves diminish his skills basically for certain well, periods? Well, here's of time? the deal. Not, none of us is at the peak of our performance when we are in a bad mood. Right. None of us. So, But I think that there's a piece of this that requires a little bit closer, um, closer discussion. Um, you're emphasizing the lagging skills. And the lagging in, in the moment, the lagging skill, either a child is having lagging skills or he's not, and a bad mood is uh, certainly something that won't have people at peak performance. But these things tend to be a little bit more complicated. And the thing I'd like you to focus on, though, is this. What I haven't heard you say anything about and that I'm a little worried you might be overlooking, you're quite focused on lagging skills. And that's a good place to be focused as the explanation for why your son might be having difficulty and why right. he might be having difficulty under certain conditions, conditions in which right. those skills are being demanded. But there's a piece I haven't heard you mention yet, and that's unsolved problems. Unsolved problems are these specific problems or expectations that your son is having difficulty solving or meeting. And it is those problems or expectations that usually set in motion challenging episodes. Right. So here's here's a here's a question for you. So I don't yeah. think you want to be looking at lagging skills when your son is upset. I think you want to be looking lagging skills or lagging skills and if you've gone through the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and you have found the skills that your child is lacking, that's good. Now you have the right lenses on. My question is what unsolved problems, what unmet expectations are setting in motion your child's challenging episodes? And I'm wondering if those have been identified yet. Well, one big uh, issue is um, he's getting into food that he's not supposed to get into, like all the um, junk food and, and candy and not, uh, whatnot he tries to get into. We actually put a lock on the on the pantry door so he can't get into it because he's really like like a maniac basically going out okay so, so so that that's a good that's a pretty specific unsolved problem and it sounds like that's one that could set in motion a bad episode yes oh, oh yeah definitely okay i mean it's an interesting one because it sounds like you have the junk food in the house you're using a lock to prevent him from getting at it. That definitely sounds like a problem that isn't solved yet because if he's still becoming extremely upset because he can't get at the food, then that would definitely qualify as a problem that we don't yet have a mutually satisfactory solution for. But tell me some more. What other things is he um, getting upset about fairly reliable? What unsolved problems? Um, let's see, getting, when he's doing something he's not supposed to do, like, I don't know, some cleaning up his room or hitting his mother, 
then uh, he gets uh, into his uh, locked into his room sometimes. Uh, just put into his room if he doesn't stay there. Uh, we lock it, um, and that I mean obviously upsets him. And actually, that's another part of the question. I don't know if you have time for that, but my wife is pretty much Plan A, and she doesn't believe in uh, talking so much, and she's very much exhausted right now because of these explosions, and uh, she doesn't think that listening to a video or reading a book uh, would would solve the problems because they're so massive right now. She thinks of putting him into a partial hospital or something like that. So anyway, so that's uh, his interactions with his mother basically are another unsolved problem, I would say. Well, it would be one that's, uh, and by the way, this is becoming much more interesting the more we learn. Um, But it sounds like, and I'm going to make a bet. I'm, I'm not supposed to do this because it's really not something you're supposed to do in the model, but I'm going to guess anyways that his mother is telling him to do a lot of things? Uh, yeah, she likes she likes to have structure and uh, telling him what to do, yeah. And uh, each um, thing that she is telling him to do would be an unsolved problem. So go, difficulty, if she's telling him to clean up his room because his room isn't clean, then difficulty keeping room clean would be an unsolved problem. The unsolved problem of interactions with his mother would be much too big to work on. Uh, okay. It's going to be it's going to be crucial to take a look at everything she's telling him to do. She's telling him to do them because apparently yeah. she thinks they need to be done, and apparently she thinks that they aren't done yet. And if yeah. if uh, so, interactions with his mother would be too broad. Now locking okay. him in his room which is a rather old-fashioned form of timeout that I generally recommend against almost right. always. Yeah. Usually just a sign that things are going very badly, and now we are locking the child in his room. Your situation is starting to sound much more complicated because now I'm hearing about uh, your wife, who isn't uh, uh, able at the moment to access help that's being provided online. Um, she's thinking about a partial hospitalization program. I will say this. It sounds like, um, and I don't know what kind of help you're receiving right now, but it sounds like you sure could use somebody to help you navigate your way through the model in ways that I probably am not going to be able to do justice to just on this radio program. It sounds like you're going to need something more intensive and more personalized than that. Um, And there are some practitioners in New Jersey who are skilled at this model, and you can find them on a different website, cpsconnection.com. And if you go to the providers section on that website, you will find that there is at least one practitioner, maybe two, I can't remember, who uh, have participated in uh, certification training for providers in my model, and they may be able to help you and give you more guidance than I'm able to do on a radio program. But in terms of this program and in terms of the help I can provide, number one, it does sound like um, you're going to need much more help than the program can provide. But number two, a very good first step would be to focus a little bit less on lagging skills. It sounds like you have focused on them enough 
and to get much more specific about unsolved problems. Okay. Um, locking your son in, in his room is the aftermath of an unsolved problem. Right. You would know better than I do whether hitting his mother is the aftermath of an unsolved problem. And I am beginning to wonder if even the diagnosis of bipolar disorder is the aftermath of a whole bunch of problems that haven't been solved yet. Unfortunately, that's probably the best I can do for you on this program, at least. But I do encourage you to check out that other website so as to be able to find someone who might be able to give you more help than I'm able to on this program. Sound okay, like a deal? great. That was, I thank that you was for calling in. Thank you. Do, do try to get the help that you need. It sounds like you are um, in a very difficult situation, and there are people out there who can help you. I'm glad you called in, though. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, let's jump straight to our next caller, who's been holding it for about 15 No, Yeah, there she is. Uh, or he. Uh, uh, area code 303, you're on the air. How are you today? Um, I'm good, Dr. Green. Uh, I had called previously in January about my son, who we had put on medication. And, um, yeah, it was. look, I want to thank you again for that. And on that note, before I even start with my stuff, I'd like to just speak to the dad that, uh, you know, speak at the dad that you just uh, got off the phone with and just let him know a couple things. Um, one, I, I'm making an assumption here that maybe the junk food is also because he's on a, um, a mood stabilizer. And if you remember, I said, well, my son was gaining all this weight and it was a big concern. And things have really stabilized. For what that's worth, after a while, it's stabilized. And, you know. I'm delighted. Got a little extra. Yeah. And, and um, also, I, his father may be new to the meds and the advice that you gave me um, about don't get addicted to your child's medication, you know, do keep that in mind. That's important. Um, but I just, yeah, I wanted to just uh, touch on a few other questions I have now. And it's um, Go ahead, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in nowhere near the same situation as that father. My, my wife is actually in school right now working on her master's in marriage and family counseling. But she's not quite as on board with the um, collaborative problem solving. I think she believes it, but I think she's so flustered and busy right now that, you know, I basically, when we're cleaning the house or something, I'll play your, um, your podcast. And she's making an effort now to kind of get going with it, and that's what we have some questions with because I think she feels a little uncomfortable, and sometimes she gets very much through the, um, through the empathy step and kind of stops there. And is, is there harm in that? Are you? Did you just ask? Is there harm in that? Is there harm in that? Like, you know, to maybe bog down after the empathy step and not. Well, um, I guess if I understand it, uh, I mean, do it, understanding what a child's concerns are. Uh, yeah. Hard, hard to imagine that being counterproductive unless um, you're jumping straight back to Plan A after you find out what the concerns of the child are, because and that would be counterproductive, and there are actually treatments out there that recommend that people find out what the kid's concerns are and then tell the kid what the solution's going to be, which in my mind is a, is a very effective way of letting a kid know that his concerns don't matter and that uh, also a very effective way, by the way, over time to get the kid to stop talking to you because he doesn't really see the point anymore. 
So, but the point that I, the part that you said that I'm glomming onto here is that you said your wife is bogging down in the empathy step, um, and I wouldn't call that. I mean, it's not productive to be bogged down in the empathy step. A lot of people do bog down in the empathy step early on because they are just getting their feet wet with it and just getting a feel for it. That's what's happening. So, yeah. The hope would be that your wife would, perhaps with your help be able to move from bogged down. And what I would recommend here, for anybody who gets bogged down in the empathy step, um, my recommendation is that they use the Plan B cheat sheet that is posted on the Lives in the Balance website because that's going to help people um, have what they should be doing in the empathy step right in front of them as they're doing it. And that a lot of people find that to be extremely helpful. The Plan B cheat sheet lays out the drilling strategies. What I'm always telling people is if you're not sure what to say, have those drilling strategies in front of you, pick the best one. If you're having trouble picking the best one, um, use reflective listening. Just say whatever the kid just said back to you. That's sort of your default strategy for drilling for information. Um, Maybe that will help. Um, So is doing the empathy step alone ever a bad thing? Uh, only under the conditions that I just described, but it would be nice if we could help your wife not feel like she's getting bogged down. Right, right. It's maybe more bogged down than that, but it's, no, she's getting on board a bit more here. And then, um, okay, another question I had is, uh, you know, and I guess even I find that to be the case. And, and you know, we had talked about how, um, well, look, you gave me some wording for some unsolved problems last time, and one of them was about his sister, taking his sister out of her imaginary world, you know, by going, oh, that's not real. And we, we, we did the whole plan B, and it worked out pretty well. And what he was going to do was preface things with, Kiara, you know, in real life, a, a monkey wouldn't do that, but it's okay to play with your stuffed monkey that way. And so he did that for about a week. He was actually really good. He met his expectations, his end of the bargain on our, our mutually agreed upon solution. And mm-hmm. you know what? In the end, I think he just got tired of even doing that, and now he doesn't even bother his sister anymore. <laughs> so Sometimes, I guess, again, because he's on the meds, it almost feels like cheating. Like we come up with these solutions very quickly, and they work. But we haven't tackled some big problems. And um, these are kind of a, a dual question here. Um, by, by the way, one before of you them, go on, yeah. before you go on, and I do want to hear about the big problems, Yeah, it is sometimes the case that um, – You come up with a solution to a problem, and the process, if you've you've done that using my model, the process through which you've come up with it has spent some meaningful time finding out what the kid's concerns are, meaningful time with the child hearing about what your concerns are, meaningful time and effort on trying to come up with a solution that addresses both concerns, and then a solution. Yes. And it sounds like in your case, and this is not an unusual scenario, which is why I had you stop for a second. Um, the child uses the solution for a week, and I thought you were going to tell me that it stopped working. But in this case, something else happened. It sounds like with all that processing, got his concerns on the table, heard your concerns, came up with a solution. He ultimately decided, you know what, um, this is not even worth it. Um, now that we've talked about my concerns, now that I've heard my parents' concerns, now that we've come up with a solution, I'm not sure I actually care enough about this problem to actually even deal with it anymore. And that's, by the way, not terribly unusual 
in the human experience either to ultimately decide, you know what, I'm just going to drop that one. And, you know, whether it was that the solution worked for a while and then he just didn't bother with it, or after having gotten his concerns on the table and been heard, it's a crucial piece, and been empathized with, and then hearing yours, he ultimately decided, you know what, I'm I'm just not going to say anything anymore. This is not this is no longer an unsolved problem for me. That, and that's not yeah, an unusual scenario either. That's been a lot of that lately. It's like it's working so well. I'm going, well, something's you know wrong or really right here. <laughs> um, but tell then, us the I big guess, ones that you haven't solved. So the big ones that I haven't solved um, are some. Tanner, and this is all, so my son has always had a problem with using injuries as an avoidance technique, um, particularly in sports. And, you know, we kind of taper back down on the organized team sports, but he's playing lacrosse again, and this, this is happening. He just, I think a game doesn't go exactly the way he wants. He's, he's playing goalie, which I think is stressful. He'll get hit. He'll lay down, feign a concussion, and can't do anything. Or he goes skiing and he falls and he knows he's got the mile run coming up. He feigns a, a horrific knee injury or a bruised heel or, or sickness at school. I mean, there was a period of time where we were getting calls from school, like, you know, once a week. And he genuinely believes that, that this is happening to him. But, I mean, sometimes it can just be ridiculous, right? I'll watch him run after limping. Um and I can't even think of how to begin with uh, wording that, <laughs> into an un- or even if that's applicable for this process. Well, the first part would be to get rid of the word avoidance because that is a right. That's a an assumption on your part. Yes, that is. No, Plus, you're absolutely right. That is an assumption on my part. Right. Um, I'm inclined, and of course I could be wrong, but I'd rather be wrong in the direction I'm about to say then be wrong that it's an avoidance strategy. I'd rather be wrong with what I'm about to say. I'm going to assume that he has a bona fide injury or physical malady. um, I'm treating it like that, too. Well, and that he appears to make a rather rapid recovery from it. Um, (laughs) And and the tricky part would be the wording... um, Let's see if uh, I can come up with anything quickly. I guess it depends on whether, if there's a thing that he is chronically and reliably not doing because of an injury, then I would want to be specific about that. But if, if, if it, and, and even if it cuts across many things, I would want okay. to be specific about each of those things because he may be um, feeling physical symptoms while skiing and the whole skiing thing may be a completely different entity for him than the reason he's feeling physical symptoms in a soccer game which is different than I'm not remembering all of the things that you mentioned but I might want to break them each down into separate unsolved problems that's usually my inclination uh, consistent with the notion of splitting rather than clumping. Right now, um, at the moment, we're talking about uh, physical symptoms in a clumped manner. But here's the interesting nope. thing. We, we could view having fim- physical symptoms as just another like behavior in the same realm as hitting, sp- 
spitting, throwing, destroying, screaming, swearing, running. Um, so what I might really want to do is take a close look at the specific conditions, as I always would, by the way, in response to behaviors that are challenging, and we'd, we'd call this challenging. We wouldn't call it at the extreme end of the spectrum, but it's certainly one we still need to try to work on. Um, uh, under what conditions is that occurring? And is it happening with some reliability? Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we, we could narrow it down to lacrosse, and I could look back over years, and it's, uh, golly, it's so hard to say. It's reliably when things aren't going his way. Well, no, and, and we, that's an, another adult assumption. That's, that's adult. I know um, it's an adult assumption. You're right. I, I'm having a... <laughs> well, I'm, so let's get rid of that this, part, too. Right. Yeah. Um, give me give me an example of something not going his way. What exact in a lacrosse game? So he's the goalie, and you know he might play, he's actually a brilliant goalie, but you know they'll lose games even if he only lets in two goals like one time. You know, and, and I right. think what happens then is he. So after that game, for example, he hurt his knee, and he couldn't. Was it his knee that time? I think it was his knee. There's been so many, and he just missed like two weeks of practice and games. Then he was playing a game the other day, and they were behind, and he got hit, and he got, you know, knocked to the ground. And it was this total, well, now they have to treat it like he's got a concussion because he's laying there and he's saying all the right answers because he's done this, you know, this is probably his third or fourth quote-unquote concussion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, now we have to go to the doctor, get a medicalist waiver so that he can play again. And uh, and that's the, this is actually the third time we've had to do that. And that's it, a pain. often, I think, I mean, it's never happened when his team's been winning or he's thought he's done a great job. <laughs> well, and, and truth is, and I get that you have drawn the association I between have. I, losing and things not going his way and physical injuries. Yeah, but, um, but then it, so I'm just trying yeah, to think but, of it right now just in terms of lacrosse, right, and get rid of all the other stuff. Um, uh, well, I, and, you know, you can, you can split them all and then give each of them a little bit more thought. Um, but uh, you know what? I bet he's lost other lacrosse games and, and didn't have it. a physical symptom afterwards. Yeah. And so that's why I'm that's why I'm so careful about um, adult assumptions because if we pop the adult assumption into the unsolved problem, and and I call those theories and hypotheses, not assumptions. Yeah. Usually. You've you've they're, got they're a theory. Your I have theory a theory is like that anxiety or avoidance, right? Those are theories, too. Um, your theory yeah. is that when your son has a tough lacrosse game, he has a physical injury. But I want to make sure we're paying attention to the times when he loses in a lacrosse game and he doesn't have a physical injury, which tells me that may not always be what it is, in which case I'd rather us focus on um, perhaps noticing that he gets hurt a lot in lacrosse. What's up? Uh, and I don't, I don't okay. love that one. Um, no. I, I don't love the wording yet. Usually, it starts with difficulty, and yeah, right, yeah. we'd have to f- figure out what he's having difficulty doing. I just don't want to pop the assumption: difficulty <clears throat> handling things not going the way he wanted them to, and across because that's almost one hundred percent theory. I agree, um, I, and that's, you know, I was actually thinking things like I, I'm wondering if you're having difficulty. Um, Matching the pain level to the injury, or um, well, no, that's you know that's that's it's another adult theory. 
I know that that, that could it could be part end up being part of the discussion, especially when you get to the define the problem step. Okay, the define the problem step is where you're putting your concern on the table, and your concern yeah. could be sometimes I wonder if the injury is taking you away from the game longer than it should. Or sometimes I wonder if um, the symptoms that you're describing are, and it's not that I don't believe you, buddy. It's just I'm sometimes wondering if the symptoms are as horrible as they seem. I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I want to make sure I take you seriously when you're having injuries, but I just want to, you know, I wanted to check in with you about that. Um, My son plays lacrosse. He's got bruises all over his body after each game. And I'll say to him, "Um, don't, don't you have padding? Right. Yeah. You know, I get, I get whacked where there's no padding, but uh, it's a rough game. But, you know, the the part that we may not be able to settle right now is exactly how are we going to word the unsolved problem but one of the things we have definitely established is we want to keep your theories out. out of the, and I like your I like the concerns too. That'll almost backwards help me backwards engineer the unsolved problem. I think exactly. Um, um, and then another, so <clears throat> keep. It sounds like you got some more stuff to work on. By the way, we have an emailer who has emailed in, and I think this is relevant to what you were talking about. My significant other was quite skeptical about Dr. Green's model. Plan A had worked for him. Work was in quotes. Very slowly over time, we were able to convince uh, my significant other that what methods we were using weren't working and even making things worse. Uh, he ha- Maybe this was for the caller before. I can't quite yeah. tell. We had to realize that our child was different, and so would be the interventions for our son in order to solve problems and help him. I'm not sure which one that was for. This one I'm positive was for you. Uh, Second caller, I know your wife is busy and has a lot on her plate. However, if the adult chooses to implement Plan B, realizing that it does take time, perseverance, and patience, confrontations or meltdowns take so much more time. Yeah. I'm I'm not positive that your wife is, that, that the time issue is the issue, but there's some advice from the gallery. Yeah, I mean, I think it is more the issue than anything, to tell you the truth. And I think Time. I, I'm getting okay. it wrong. But another question, I, I, so there's another question about that. So my son's pretty aware that we're doing collaborative, or that I'm doing collaborative problem solving with him. And he's been asking me what it's called. And, and I think a, a caller in a previous show had brought that up, that they schedule it now. What do you think of that? I mean, right now she's taking classes at night, and I can... You know, even have times when my my daughter goes to the grandparents, and I can I could make it a regularly scheduled thing. Um, well, if you especially if your son's good with it, one of the things being an outpatient therapist, one of the things almost every outpatient therapist notices quickly is that just because a kid has an appointment at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoon doesn't mean the kid yeah. is um, in a state of mind or in a headspace that is going to um, set the stage for lots of talking at 4 p.m. on a, tu- on a Tuesday afternoon. Well, so yeah, that's my I, wife's I lo- theory. <laughs> well, but I love the idea of scheduling, especially since it's – I would take my chances on whether your son's in the mood. I like yeah. the idea of having a set problem-solving time. Um, a lot of kids actually look forward to it because a lot of adults actually look forward to it because they know that if something pops up in the heat of the moment – 
that there's a time that they can say, so let's talk about this then. We're going we're gonna to table it for now and talk about it during our problem-solving time. I recommend this highly in schools where scheduling is um, even worse. As bad as, as busy as families are, it's even that much harder to find time to solve problems with kids in schools. But, yeah, I love the idea, especially with your wife's very busy schedule. And plus, that would set the stage for you to be around to pitch in, and that might help things go a little bit more smoothly for her so she's not feeling like she's getting bogged down in the empathy step. Well, yeah, right. Now, that's my, and that was my second question, actually. What do you think about both parents doing it? I don't want them to feel ganged up on, but uh, she's got uh, a little as long as to that. But... I think whether he feels ganged up on or not depends completely on, on how, we how you all present it to him. And the thing you need to be especially careful of, if you've got more than one adult, adults love to talk. So even if it's just one-on-one with the kid, Adults tend to have the inc- uh, tendency to um, out-talk the kid, and we don't want that to happen. The, you, you increase the odds of that happening exponentially the more adults you add to the mix. So I've like been in school meetings where there were five adults, and I had to give them the heads up ahead of time that each of them was going to be talking about one-fifth of the amount that they might feel like they wanted to because we didn't want to overwhelm the kid with adult verbiage. So I don't know if he's going to feel ganged up on. I just want to make sure, and that depends totally on presentation. We don't want him to feel like he's having difficulty getting a word in edgewise. Other than that, no. um, tag teaming is great, especially if one of the adults is a little bit more, is a little further along than the other. Okay. No, great, great. That's a, that's, and then another question. Um, it, it's, and I, it, to me, that when I called you last, I was in just a you know horrible place, and I. I probably didn't even leave the house for months. I was just so worried about my son. <clears throat> and for me, a little bit of it has been really just getting my own help, you know, and, and really doing a lot of mindfulness work. And I feel like that would really benefit my son. I mean, is that a good complementary therapy? Because my wife is in school now. We have free access to the Regis University Counseling Center. And I feel like, golly, I'd like him to try that. Do you have thoughts uh, could be on helpful. that? I think that there's, I think that there's a lot of indirect mindfulness stuff going yeah. on just when you're doing plain old plan B. You are absolutely so big, right. <laughs> so the big question is whether you need augmentive mindfulness stuff or whether it's happening naturally anyways. There's a lot okay. of uh, assessing one's own thinking, assessing where one is coming from going on just in the first two steps of plan B. If you need more, I think it would be wonderful. The big question is whether you need more. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's a good question. Um, and then just one sort of final question. And this is just um, uh, just another unsolved problem. So one of the problems we have right now is when he does some, when he does have a misstep and he you know loses a temper or this or that, and we we recognize it as a problem. And he's aware a lot of times, maybe even these injuries, I think he's a little bit aware. He's like, when we go to his psychologist, he's like, don't tell Dr. Casey. Don't, or, you know, don't tell my, my doctor. Don't, uh, you can't talk to any doctor about this. You can't talk to mom about this. You can't. That's a real unsolved problem right now. Um, and that one's a little easier to word than the first one. Um, difficulty when thinking that dad is going to tell someone else about an unsolved problem. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, there are adults. Of, there are adults who would simply reassure the kid and say something like, "No, the doctor's here to help us. He's fine. No, mom's an mom's a co-parent here. She's a member of the family. She needs to know." Um, but that's not that's Plan B, <laughs> right? Um, if you want to, but and by the way, those are suggestions that tell us that that are made without any knowledge whatsoever of what the kids' concern or perspective is on um, that. Um, maybe residual stuff, and I, you know what? I'm not even going to theorize. Time to do yeah. time to do the empathy stuff on it. And find Don't out. theorize, right? I, I, right? I'm really trying to maintain that. Uh, that level of uh, not making assumptions. It's really hard when your wife's in school studying counseling. Like She's making diagnoses and assumptions all the time. And I'm, I'm trying to like just clear my brain of that stuff. because uh, Many mental health professionals spend most of their training learning other people's theories for why people act the way they do. And the truth is, it's not that this model doesn't have theories about why people act the way they do. It's lagging skills and unsolved problems. The problem comes in when we, on individual unsolved problems, um, are so hypothesis and theory-driven that we lose the forest for the trees. The person who's going to tell us what's getting in the way is the kid. And um, avoidance, things are going badly, so he's acting like a hypochondriac. Um, those are adult theories, and this is, this is the most important part, are very frequently incorrect. And <laughs> no, most no. importantly, one of the best ways to bog down the empathy step is to throw so many... Don't tell me we got another fire across the street here. We had a yeah, fire last week, across the street during this program last week or during the educator's program, and the fire truck just went rolling right by. So maybe it's not right across the street today, but now we're going to have lots of fire sounds uh, momentarily. Um the best way to bog down the empathy step is to throw so many theories at the kid that, that, that the kid's sitting there thinking, why are you even asking me what it is about all these injuries? Why are you asking me about what's going on with me not wanting to tell people about unsolved problems? You just told me. So now, now I've got to sort through what you told me, whether there's any legitimacy to it, You've taken me completely away from my own thinking about what could be going on here. Uh, we don't want to get bogged down in the empathy step, and theorizing is one of the main ways in which adults do it. So um, sounds like you've got a little bit of work to do to get those theories out of your repertoire, but um, as long as they're not finding their way into the empathy step, you're probably okay. Right, right. No, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm maintaining that. And uh, Yeah, no, again, I mean, thanks, thanks for all your help. And uh, You and, bet. I hope you, know, you have I mean, another good – Hope you have another good three-month run, and um, the, uh, we'll see if we're going to do one day, one day a month in the, in the summer. If you need the program over the summer, but we'll find out. But I hope you have another good well, three-month run. If you well, don't, you know where you. we yeah, are. Yeah, we might. And I'll just mention this. So Tanner's been on the, my son's been on the risperidone for um, about eight or nine months now. And the psychiatrist is saying we can try to start tapering in the summer. That you have, you know, you should do it in the summer when there's no school. And I'm a little. And my psychologist thinks differently. He thinks another year might not hurt him. And I'm just like, whew. I mean, when do you, when can you start it? Is there an indicator, you think, when you can tell where he's got enough skills? to? No. There's, there's no algorithm. Um, yeah. It's more of a gut feel. Um, uh, I'm not one to mess with things when they're going well, but I'm also not one to keep a kid on a medicine that he may not need. Um 
So it's always a really difficult decision to make. Totally a judgment call, no algorithm. Yeah. It's, and the, the proof of that is that your 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 mental health professionals don't even agree with each other. But certainly something to continue talking about, and not a decision to be made lightly. But it sounds like you're not making it lightly. Yeah, yeah. No, we got. You know, and I think that even the psychiatrist said, well, the thing is, you can begin a taper, and if 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 it just doesn't work, you may at least wind up lowering the dose. Not, not a bad approach. Yeah, so, you know, maybe we'll we'll do it just because summer's here, but uh, it's approaching. Well, thank you so much. Good luck with it. Thanks for calling in. Call anytime. You bet. I will. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow, two very interesting calls today, and they have taken us straight through the entirety of the program. And that's okay. Those emails, uh, we'll try to get to them, well, not next week. Next week's the parents' panel, but we'll get to those emails eventually. For now, uh, have a good week. Be back next week with another one of these programs. Take care. Oh.